Hello, and welcome to Conversations Between Widows. I am one of the co-hosts, Tanya Wilson. And I'm your other co-host, LaSharma Jefferson. And we're bringing you weekly conversations about our widow journey. Our purpose is to provide our listeners with a window seat into how two young women who became widows too soon are navigating life after their loss. Our goal is to provide another support system to other widows on the same journey to help them feel less alone. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and shake your head profusely in agreement to what Tanya and I and our guests are talking about. So come on in and enjoy the conversation. Yes, it is. I mean, the good news is sunny, but it's still cold. It's still cold. And we're getting the extra hour of daylight. Have you noticed it'd be like 4.30 and it's still sunny like this? Yeah. And then when that has happened, that um, has been beneficial to me when I've been out door dashing because I cut it off when it starts getting dark because... My eyes are not made for looking at addresses, looking for addresses once Mm -hmm. it gets dark. So (laughs) I have enjoyed when it's still been light at that 4.30 hour because I'm like, okay, I might be able to get one more order in before I call it a night. (laughs) Right, right. So (laughs) you're going to have to do a whole, we're going to unpack that door dashing. Because uh, I feel like there's DoorDash, or as I call it, the Dash Chronicles mm-hmm. that you have to tell us about. Because, <laughs> you know, it's something that is being um, everybody, I ain't going to say job choice, but it's the second um, or third um, part of incomes now is doing the DoorDash. And I know you have the pros, you have the cons. Yeah. Money. It's definitely, definitely a pretty good thing to get into because I didn't think I would really do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I left my job back in the summer, right. I was just kind of in a transition until my new one started. But, you know, it was kind of like it was cool to do it in the summer. It's like, you know, I'm just going to pick up orders and drop it off at home, at somebody's home. Um, I don't like grocery shopping. So like the Instacarting thing was not for me. Instacart and ship. I didn't want to be walking around the grocery store looking for items. I wanted that additional income to be as easy as possible. But what I learned quickly is every job has its little annoyances, sometimes yes. thick annoyances. And DoorDash is no different. Yes. You know, but, I can imagine. Yeah, but when it's something, you know, that you're doing on your own time, when it's convenient for you, you know, you really can't beat it. You know, so, yeah, we'll have to have a conversation. Maybe we'll call it like side hustles for willows. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the like dash chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, yeah. You do the dash chronicles and then I can do the romance. Yeah. After sounds, dark. Sounds good. <laughs> well, after, after, dark. after dark. Yeah. That'd be for the pure romance part because it's a, it, it is a lot. I have not. I went a whole week as of today without putting in a DoorDash order and I didn't put it in. You know why? Because it snowed. I shoveled. I saw it, but I don't know how, how good my salt game was. Mm-hmm. So because I was afraid of my salt game and I didn't want nobody slipping and falling on my porch, I said, I ain't DoorDash. Until that snow melts a little bit. 
and the thought looks like it got enough grip because I don't, I don't need those problems right now. Yeah, because I know one of my um one of my sorority sisters, she does Instacarting, either Instacarting or shit. And I mm-hmm. was expressing to her, you know, like how I didn't get out there like when the weather was bad, which are really good money making opportunities for those businesses. I was say I wasn't going out there if it was too bad because I'm like I'm not risking my life going to drop off some groceries or uh, some burgers and fries to somebody. But uh, she said she was like yeah, but that them days to make the money, and so she said she would get out there and just drive carefully. And you know I haven't done it. I would do it when it's snow. It could be snowy like right now is actually a good day because our roads are not bad. It's kind of like when we had the worst of the snow. A couple mm-hmm. of days ago, I wouldn't have gone out there. But, you know, once the roads get cleared up, I can do it then, you know, and I like a little nice sunny day like that, uh, like it is today. But nope, if it's raining like crazy, <laughs> I just say all oh, money ain't good money. I can't get out there. I would do it, of course, if I absolutely had to. Like if it was my only source of income coming in, then I would do what I had to do. But as long as I have a choice in the matter, mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, I'm not going out there. I'm going to be door dashing yeah. my own food. <laughs> yes. I, I uh, yeah, that's the girl. You know why. Yes. I was like, I kept looking at it. I looked at it. And I was just like, Ooh. but you know, this is, you know, this is coming up on the famous holiday, which is love holiday. So, if you're hearing this podcast before the 14th, we're gonna have, we're gonna have different ways to self love on you know on yourself during this love month. Um, we're gonna have a, a Dr. Alicia Reed from um, Fly Little Podcast coming through this month with self care routines that she does. Yeah, I'm excited but, about that. Yes, 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 and. I finally did complete my photo shoot. So once I get those pictures back, of course, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to post them to y'all. Right, I was say, whoa, 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 you about to share them? <laughs> yeah, but I will tell you all about my experience and how I am willing to do another one. So there are a lot of fun things for the month of February. But yeah, I do like that side hustles for wills. Let me yeah, write that down. Yeah, I, yeah, I put it on our calendar <laughs> topic. So I put yes. it in there already. So yes, yes, yes. So today's topic is one that we have not really addressed. Yeah, but uh, it's a very important one. And I think my interest in this topic was really piqued when um we discussed our last book club. Uh um, last month, the um, yes. Young Hot Widows Club. And yes. I, you yeah, have to choose one for this month because I'm ready yes. and I got my I have my one credit for um, the auto auto books. Okay, well I'm gonna try to make it a short one for you because I know you don't like yes. those long <laughs> titles. <laughs> well, if I'm listening to it, if I'm listening to it, I can do it. Okay. okay. Yeah, well, if it's I'll... a one I can listen to. I can do it because I have been doing well with reading, you know, different, having different books play for me mm-hmm. while I work because I'm probably one of the few, but I don't work in front of the TV, guys. I work in my office. There's no TV. Mm-hmm. So I either have my phone playing a podcast, you know, 
or I have it playing a YouTube and I'm listening as I'm paying orders for my uh, nine to five job. And um, the book, that book, Audible, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much. But when I got a perky, whenever I can get a perky person to tell, talk to me, had me over here crying and, you know, laughing and everything. Even Ox was like, kind of, she kind of draw my six-year-old because he was here doing remote. And he was like, what is she saying? Like, he understood, whereas others have played, and he was like, mm, I gotta go in the other room. Oh so, my gosh. I definitely am excited about that. Plus, like, I, I took three months, five, was it $5 or five ninety nine? Yes, ladies. I, I'm I'm doing a little nickel in and diamond hey, for you, my 40th. That's what you have to do. You know, yeah. Cut costs where you can. Yeah. Yeah, but with that book, though, I remember the author was talking about um, kind of learning to manage her expectations. And she was telling widows about managing their expectations regarding who was going to be there for you, you know, following uh, the death of your spouse. Um, sometimes the, the family members or the friends that you think are going to be there for you are not there for you in the way that you expect. And then sometimes it's the ones that you didn't expect to be there for you who will show up, you know, with the cart, you know, show up with the cart of everything that you need and things that you didn't even realize that you needed, you know, so... You know, I know everybody has their experiences, um, you know, after the loss with, you know, what happened with when with your um, in-laws, you know, yes. a lot of relationships um, get severed. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. that person who was that connected you all, you know, that when they left, there was no further connection if there was no real relationship building between you know, the the widow and those family members while the person was living. And, right. you know, that happens a lot, you know, when a husband or a wife is kind of the go-between of everything, you know. But right. what, I, what I learned in my situation with my husband um, is that I want to be much more intentional, you know, with, with my chapter two when that really gets going and I'm ready to really commit, like thinking about a long-term type of relationship, you know, I do want to work on my relationship building with, you know, family, important family members, you know, mm -hmm. um, in their family. Because with my my late husband, well, he kind of intentionally kind of between me and his family. Mm -hmm. And that was because of a prior situation he had with his um, with his wife before me who had gotten close with his family and he felt that she kind of betrayed him and sharing things that were going on in the household with the family. So he kind of was damaged by that. So mm -hmm. when he and I got together, you know, he didn't want me to, you know, have this close relationship with his sister or, you know, his mom. So he kind of kept me away and, and I was kind of like, okay, you know, and then yeah. but once he got sick, you know, then I would really start thinking about those relationships and how, like, man, if he's not here anymore, what is this going to be? Because, you know, my husband, his uh, oldest daughter had had uh, twin girls at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, God, will, my will I not having a relationship with these kids as they're growing up? 
like my place in my husband's life is just gone away, you right. know, because we're not together anymore. And a lot of that did happen, you know, where I felt like, you know, okay, well, I guess, you know, they're done with me or we're done with each other. It was just not a good um connection with just keeping up with each other and maintaining the family relationship. It just gets kind of confusing because then it's kind of like if I did, let's say I did continue with being close with them and stuff, then would mm -hmm. it be awkward when I started dating again? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so I would kind of think about that too. Like, okay, he's your husband while he's your husband, but when he's no longer your husband, you know, is this still my sister-in-law? Is this still my mother-in-law? Is this still mm -hmm. my stepdaughter? What happens to those relationships? You know, when you're hung up on the title. But I think when you have a real relationship with them beyond the title, then, you know, those connections will stay in place. Yeah. Um, I agreed. Um, I had something, you know, totally different um the in-laws on my end which would be <laughs> you all <laughs> um the in-laws have been great you know both sides have you know invited me to the functions and nothing's changed my brother-in-law refers to me as his sister you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so i don't for us it would never change if i started dating or not it's been five years so they probably up there like oh i wonder when she gonna go back to dating because now i'm at the the as I call it the later end like I don't think I'm in the beginning like if I I think it's different it would be different if I did meet somebody now than it would have been if I met somebody in 2018 mm -hmm. and introduced them to him because they probably been like okay he just passed since he's been gone for a little bit of time now I don't think they would look at him differently or you know think of me not being family but it just takes me back to something O's told me a long time ago he said he was like look he said my family to find a family we we family we love on each other he said it don't matter if me or you are not together you will still be considered family to them so because he said that I feel like everything he said was correct you know because it it did not change you know wow. i at least hear i might not hear from him every day but i hear from him in different ways mm -hmm. um you know sometimes i get the um on cynthia text messages <laughs> you know and i you know i get the messages from lamar diana uh, stevie you know i get the cards from valerie for ox's birthday so i i get it from all sides so I've been so fortunate because there's a lot of widows that are not fortunate like me to uh -huh. see those. But when it comes to my actual family, my mom's side of the family, yes, they was, you know, they always been embracing and, you know, always checking up on me, maybe not as much, but they do, you know, when he first passed those first couple of years, they did check up on me. But then it's my father's side of things. It's still that rocky road. And to me, that's the side that is still kind of tainted and there's um so much anguish because of different things like how you was talking about with your husband what happened last time there's so much hurt over there there's there's so much um what people said that wasn't true Mm -hmm. that you know when old pass i don't think they knew i think only my sister uh, is the only one who came to the uh, hospital when he passed 
um, because she met him personally and had been to the wedding. Like, you know, she came by the house, you know, so she had met my husband, so she knew who he was. I have my other siblings don't. And, you know, I remember when my dad was in the hospital um, two or three years ago, and my brother asked, oh, how's your husband doing? And I was thinking in my head, he's dead. You know what I'm saying? And I ended up wow. saying it. I said, he's dead. And he was like, oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. It was kind of like... It had been that long since you had communicated yeah, well, with him? Well, I haven't communicated him with him, honestly. Me and him haven't had a one-on-one probably since I was a teenager. But he came to my wedding, and there was mm-hmm. some stuff behind that because... You know, when you plan a wedding, you have a short list. Well, how I planned the wedding, because it was coming out of my money, keep in mind, I'm a girl who did not have mom or grandma, and my dad did not have the finances to help with the wedding. In fact, I think he was a little against it, but, you know, that would be for him, not for me. I'm not trying to figure out what his issue was with that. Um, but I think me and O were, you know, paying for this wedding. My theory was you invite the people that you talked to in the last two years. Okay. Because when you invite everybody and they mama, there's cost that comes in. You're paying per plate. You know what I'm saying? I had it set up. Like I had little gift bags for people that came out of town with little goodies. I had to block off the hotel room. I had to get a final number to the cater. I had to give a final number to the chapel, and I had to give a final number to the cake lady that did my cake. Shout out to uh, Chef Nora, who's <laughs> one of my favorite cake bakers there. But um, I had to get, I had to do all these things, and it came at cost, and there was money involved. Flowers, the table. I was all the way down to the table linen. I had to pay for the table linen. I had a uh, what you call it, a candy bar that had to, you know, be set up that had to had the right amount so people could take that with them. There's cost of that. So you can't just invite whoever you want to invite. Right. And I think because he wasn't part of that list, he ended up getting invited anyway by another relative that should Well he came as their pl- his their plus yeah. one or something. Yeah. But I think he felt some kind of way after that. But then again, you don't know what was told to him from the family about me. And I think that's as I get older, that's what I'm learning. It's not that I don't think he doesn't like me. I think he he loves me as a sister. He always, as I uh, as I was younger, you know, praised me. My little sister this, my little sister that. But something changed, and it could be from what somebody said. That's why I say perspective is so key because somebody could be, you know, like this in your 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 eyes. You know, you know, you don't see anything, but it, all it takes is one negative comment and about that person, and you could change your whole perspective of the person. So, yeah, I think that was, the you know, a big thing then. But, yeah, I, I felt like it was like an afterthought. And it really is one of those, you know, I, you know, notice with people, you got those that, you know, will sympathize with you when you're grieving, okay? Mm-hmm. And you got those that feel like, yeah, you should be over it. But that that's not how love works. You don't turn off love like that. You right. know, like it was a light switch. And if they are able to do that, then they weren't truly in love in the first place, or they are lying to themselves. It's too, you know, a twofold. But that's where I, you know, the lack of support kind of came in. Like I said, on that side of things, like him understanding that. And if he was ever hearing, which I don't think he would, but if he was ever hearing, he probably would be like, I don't know, she felt that way. 
Yeah, because it's hard to really, because when people mm -hmm. wound you and it's so surprising, I mean, a lot of times you're not even in a headspace to be able to express, you know, how that made you feel, you mm -hmm. know, because I'm sure, I mean, I would just think a brother, because even if you all hadn't talked personally, mm -hmm. you would think his connection with other family members on that side of the family that somebody would have informed him that, you know, his sister's spouse passed away. Yeah. You know but, that, but he might not been informed or if he did, he kind of forgot. Cause I remember, like I, I was telling you earlier, like I had a church member, they approached me in the sales and they said, well, how's your mom doing? And I was looking at him like he had two heads because again, my mother was deceased by then. It ain't just a few years. She was gone a good five to six. So it was like, really? Like, you don't talk to your family like that to know that my mom was gone? You know what I'm saying? So it, it works both ways. It's kind of like the disconnect that happens, the lack of communication that happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because that happens and you, they miss out on, oh, that happened to you? And they can say they, you know, sorry and everything. They and they can be sincere, but sometimes when you're in the middle of that grief, it's just it triggering and you get so angry because you're like, Why can't you see how much that person meant to me? And why did you not know? And you know, you start looking at them sideways, but really it ain't their fault that they didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I get I guess I get um but I know with, with my family, one of the things that I noticed is that when, um, I think when my husband, I think I kind of felt like because my family had been so used to me, kind of, I had been single before. So mm -hmm. I think even though I lost my husband, I don't think that they felt like it was this monumental loss like that I would need a lot of their help. And I think they kind of felt like, you know, like, okay, Sherman, she's got it. I've just always kind of felt like people always think I got it. I'm okay. Yeah. You know? And so after, you know, like the first few months after my husband had, because I did have uh, one of my aunts and uncles was very, very supportive, you know, because we also had a house fire <laughs> on top yeah. of, you know, losing my husband. So yeah. they were very helpful, you know, like with taking me and um, I think, I don't know if my daughter, I think my son came with me, you know, took us out to the Salvation Army that was like really far out that had, you know, really good stuff that they like to go out to, you know, and so we got coats and things like that. And they also had a ton of coats in their basements and, you know, my aunt, you know, was just giving me stuff, you know, she gave me a purse and things like that. So they were probably the most physically uh, present and helpful, you know, and mm -hmm. I of course have other relatives, you know, they were praying for me and, you know, like my mom talks to her sister all the time. And mm -hmm. I did have a conversation with my aunt, you know, my aunt Cynthia that you mentioned, and, yeah. you know, she did reach out to me, you know, we, talked on the phone, had a really long conversation. But as far as like just people coming to lend a hand, you know, seeing that I need any help, like bringing food over or inviting me over for dinner or anything like that. It was just like, there was none of that, you know, and I didn't really expect it. So I can't say that they just 
But it's just one of those things that, like, when I would hear you, you know, you spoken about, you know, like your relationship with Miss Bass and, you know, how she helps you out yes. in the way that she does. And um, and even uh, with your in-laws, you know, that call and check on you and things like that. I would just be like, man, my fam, I didn't really get a whole lot of that. So I will always be telling you, you know, like, you are very lucky. You got a lot of support. Um, even when it's not coming from, you know, where you want it to come from or how often you might want it, you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't even getting any of that, you know, cause I'm, I'll, I think I've just always been expected to like brush your shoulders off. You know, like they say, brush that dirt off your shoulders, yes. <laughs> brush yes. it off your shoulders, pick it up and keep moving. You know, that's how my mother, I've watched my mother, you know, deal with the loss of her mother, both of her brothers, mm -hmm. and uh, the way she has always dealt with death. And, you know, those are very significant. I think she was really broken up um, dad, you know, when he passed, because yeah. they were pretty close. I mean, she was close with both of her brothers, but yeah. I just remember um, when he passed, like, I remember her crying about that. And then with my um, with my grandmother when she passed, you know, I saw my mother broken up, but for the most part, my mother is, she's not, she's kind of a little stoic, you know, I think she's just, she kind of carries the strength about her. And I think she kind of pushed that down on like me and my sister, you know, like, okay, yes, this hurts. And, you know, it's hurtful. It's bad that this happened, but these things happen, you know, you cry, you deal with it, but you move on. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of how I witnessed her dealing with um, passing a very close loved ones, you know. So when I would look at that, that would make me feel like she was not all like if I was in a sad space or, you know, missing my husband, I wouldn't have felt comfortable, you know, like calling and saying that to her. You know, because I felt like you know she wouldn't have said, you know, suck it up, you know, but it just would have <laughs> been like, okay, well, it's okay, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you and just, I mean, I think that it depends, like on the person, like you said, her coping mechanism was different. I think how she copes is different than how you copes. And that's that's fine, you know, as long as they don't minimize what your feelings are, you know what I'm saying, where you're having those moments. Because your husband um, passing was significant. Yeah, I just never expressed them. I think it was very rare that I would confess to anybody, you know, like if I had a moment or a thought, you know, where I was thinking about my husband or just really an, an emotional spot, I've always kind of been want to deal with my emotions privately mm -hmm. you know, like my daughter you know she'll say stuff like yeah y'all were taught not to express your emotions <laughs> and I say no we weren't taught not to express our emotions but we did see how my mother kind of dealt with her emotions Mm -hmm. And so we kind of picked it up, but, you know, it wasn't anything where we were told, don't cry, you know, don't openly cry. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she, probably the, she probably should have used the word suppress. So they might, their feelings are there, it's just probably suppressed mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, because I tell yeah. them, man, people cry all the time, but everybody is not comfortable with being openly expressive, you know, of their feelings. And that's okay, you know, we're all different. 
And it doesn't mean that you're not an emotional person because mm-hmm. you don't show your emotions to everybody. Right. You know, because can you imagine, you know, the widow that if she's like this, this type of person and she's just out going about her regular business. I think we had, you know, one of our who was on the phone with us. Um, she wrote the book. The widow we had um, that wrote um, the book about Gina suffering. Yes, yes, suffering twice or something. Yeah, like she was robbed. Uh, robbed by Rob, yes, yes. And I remember Gina her, Carter. Yeah, and I remember her saying, you know, that people were like questioning, you know, where she was in her journey because she wasn't being openly sad enough for people. You know, yeah. and people will treat you like that, like, oh, well, didn't you just lose your husband? You know, you yeah. just all smiling all the time. I'm like, well, maybe they're reserving their pain for when they are in a quiet place, not with a bunch of eyes looking at them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, you can't judge how people are grieving. You yeah. Know? And don't downgrade it. You know, don't downgrade the... Their grief, either it could come to them. You know that's the thing about grief. If it doesn't come right away, it, you know it could come later. It could come, you know, again. <laughs> you know, there's times where you're like, oh my, you know, I should be, you know, I'm here, I'm happy. And then there's a wave that comes through. It's like the season. The season comes through. That's one of the quotes I posted yesterday. When that season comes through, and you're wondering why, like, why am I so overcome with grief? But that's how it works. It comes in, you know, it comes in waves and people deal with it differently. It's just people have to understand just because you would do it don't mean the other person does what you do. And that's where I think that's where the criticism and judgmental uh, point of views come from is that you're thinking because if that had been you, you're hoping. Let me put it this way, because you know it has not been you at this time when you're doing this type of judgment. But mm-hmm. you're hoping if this was you, you would approach it differently. When you don't know how you will approach it, you don't know how you will react to it. You know what I'm saying? So right. it doesn't make sense for you to um, to even put you know in your mind what well, I would have did. No, you wouldn't, because you're not in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Once you get to that situation, then you get to look back on, you know, oh, yeah, I now understand what she was going through. Now I understand all these stages of grief. It all would come to play. It's not something that you just, oh, I know I'm going to do this and that. You can't read the future. The only person I knew that was telling futures back in the day was Miss Cleo. (laughs) Or what's 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 the one that's real legit? Um, the Long Island medium, isn't she uh, like a, a well-known uh, psychic? And they advertise the commercials about her. I don't know. I think the Long Island medium is so, you know, so real and so accurate that it, her, you know, her reputation speaks for herself. I don't think she needs advertising because she's she's been on, uh, what's the name, Dr. Oz show, I think, before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but Miss Cleo used to come on at night at, you know, on Channel 20 on w, WB at the time. So, I mean, unless you know that you, you know, you strongly see the future, you don't know how you're react to those things. So, yeah, I, you know, it was Gina, I think that was speaking how people were saying, oh, you're doing that. I think it was TikTok. She was on TikTok and one of the guy, a guy said that. But see, 
I don't even know why he was. I would have been judging the fact that he was looking. Well, you looking. <laughs> and, I, and I just lost my husband. So what that say about you? So, yeah, that, yeah, that, it, it's until you walk in those shoes, you can really, you can really say, oh, this is what I would have done. And it took me a while because I used to be like that, not towards widows, because this is a different ball game. But like different stuff in life, I would, you know, be like, I would never and all that. Oh, but as, yeah. growth, as growth happens, you learn to sit back and close your mouth. That is so true. That is so true. Like my dad used to say, never say what you would never do. Mm-hmm. You find yourself is, doing it. Yes, yes. You be, what they call it, you eating mud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, one thing about... um with having gone through this type of journey, losing my spouse, was this was losing my spouse was the first uh, like significant death, you know, that I've experienced in my personal life. Um, so it really created a lot of empathy in me for like moving forward. You know, when mm-hmm. I, I look at effective ways that I can be of help to people, like sometimes when I, see somebody lost somebody one of their family members i don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to rush and offer condolences in those first you know few hours the first week because we know that they get covered, you know yes. right you getting all the the cards the calls the texts you can't even keep up you know so i will like set a mess you know like set a reminder on my phone you mm-hmm. know like okay call so and so you know, maybe a few weeks after, because that's when the calls stop or they start, you know, trickling down, you know, mm-hmm. and then like reading in that book, when people say, uh, when the lady was talking about when people ask us, you know, let me know if you need something, you know, well, that's putting it back on the person that's already dealing with a lot of stuff. And now yes. they have to, you know, try to be humble and, and ask for help. Well, mm-hmm. now, after reading that, that was really, um, that encouraged me to, like, take away that question or, you know, that statement, let me know if you need something, and just be proactive. You know, it's yes. so easy to just create a care package and send it to someone, you know, yes. or just sending them a card later, you know, saying, you know, if you need, not even if you need anything, a gift card, you can send a gift card in the mail. Cause I said, no matter what anybody's going through, they can use a gift card. You don't have to Ooh, go through yes, the shopping yes. or anything. But if a you gift card, address, you could do an edible arrangement. Like one day they just sitting there and they just get this, you know, bouquet of fruit mm-hmm. and a, a few, or, you know, a cute arrangement. You can do DoorDash gift cards. <laughs> You right. said about that. Yeah, honey, Instacart, give her, honey, the groceries are on me today. You get some rest and put your feet up. I mean, like you said, it's a, instead of you know trying to figure out and putting the ball back in their court, be more you know, like you said, proactive of doing you know doing something for a person that's grieving. Because yeah, you. You can offer condolences, but then the real part starts after the after the funeral, where those calls stop. I give it about a month, maybe two, and you know the calls that went from a hundred people calling you down to ten, down to five, down to one. Yeah, down. And that's what nobody. Yeah, that's <laughs> how the you know some of the wills out here are experiencing 
their, you know, their levels of going through grief. And then you got to also respect the person's space. A lot of people, when somebody is grieving, the first thing everybody wants to do is put them near them close and have them do a bunch of stuff. Come with me, do this. Come over here, sit over here, do this, do that. They really don't, they still trying to process what happened. And it goes so quick because when the person passed, you have to be like, okay, the funeral week, that's kind of like almost like wedding week for me. It was like, (laughs) it goes by so quick and you're like, what all was I doing? I was just floating. That's kind of how that works. And then when you finally get that fresh, you know, that moment of sitting down and relaxing, you're trying to process everything that happened. Oh, was my third significant loss because uh-huh. I had lost my mom at the age of 27 to um, complications of colon cancer. I lost my granny um, two years after that. She was, you know, 92. And in between that, oh, had lost his, his, um, sorry, his dad and his mom. Uh-huh. So it was like, it was always a grief. And then you had, you know, other family grief going on during that time. And then when we was getting married, we even lost, you know, one of the hostess that was going to be in the uh, wedding, Kristen, passed. It was it was like so much going on, and but you're still trying to pick up the pieces and you're still trying to keep going. And there's not a rule book on how to assist people that are grieving. You know what I'm saying? I used to, I always get stuck on what can I do? And like you said, now that there's so much, you know, digital, you just send something, you know, by clicking, you know, clicking the mouse, click, click, and, you know, they got something. Or you can mail them a card with a gift card or something. But just knowing what to do. And, you know, like I said, that griever sometimes doesn't want to be around a large amount of people. People don't want you to be. Okay, I'm gonna invite her to this and that. That does not mean oh, when somebody oh. loses something that you start getting over overly doing it. Sometimes they just need you to sit and listen. But I think yeah. a lot of people do that when they try to, you know, they trying to keep your mind off of stuff. Is that uh-huh. they don't know how to cope themselves with stuff. So the way they cope is to do something else. Yeah, and a lot of people that don't cope with their feelings and grief, you will see them. They will come off as being passive, but that's just how they cope with things. They do not have the sometimes the strength to face those grief and those emotions head on. So they push it and suppress it and put it to the back, or they you know don't talk about it at all, or they put it in their mind. He's gone. Oh well, let's keep moving. And that's the mentality to that. And as you know, as I went through the journey, I had to, and I'm still learning because I have not fully completed the assignment, as they would say. Uh, mm-hmm. Still learning to be okay with people not being on your grief level with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, See? managing those expectations. It's, it's yeah. a learning process, you know. Yeah. It you, truly you know, is all the way around. Yeah, some people are not on the same level. Like, they're not going to do all that. They're not about to fall apart. They're not about to dwell. Some people don't like to dwell in things that are traumatic. They don't, they just be like, okay, we on to the next. And you like, did you just flip the switch and it was okay with you? That's how they cope with stuff. And you have to be okay because they're not you. Just because you handled it this way does not mean that person would handle it that way. 
And sometimes, you know, because they didn't handle it the way it was, the divide, you know, starts to happen. The communication starts to not, you know, continue on. And that's okay, too. You know, you're on two different paths. Sometimes grief creates, I ain't gonna say sometimes, grief creates different paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really important um, when you're grieving and when you're watching someone else grieve, it's just, it's, it's a really a humanizing moment, you yeah. know, because we don't know how we're going to react, you know, in these situations. And when you see other people going through, it's really just a time where you should just, just pay attention and observe, you know, and just paying attention to the world around us. Everybody is hurting. Everybody's losing something, you know, in the mm-hmm. space that we're living in. You know, so we have to really just continue to give each other grace, you know, when people don't respond or they're not doing the things that we thought they should do is to not charge it to their hearts. But, you know what I mean? Because some of us, we get a lot of us get really just busy in our in our regular daily lives and. You forget to make that phone call. You know, you might have planned to. That's why it's important to make the phone call when you first think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, unless, you're, unless you're gonna give yourself like a reminder in your phone to call at a certain time. But if you and don't I, do that, hmm. and that's me. I am guilty as charged because I was supposed to call Miss Lori's auntie, Aunt Connie. I didn't even because Aunt Connie lives over in Canada. So that's another <laughs> that's a different ball game because you have to um incorporate the cost of calling so i put me a little package online by november i was like okay okay i, I can afford the five dollars a month package still mm-hmm. I'm not called so what i'm gonna do next week is my plan is i'm gonna have to just write me a note called Uncontin that has a time to you know really talk to her because like you said if you don't write it down time will slip away Mm-hmm. And it'd be months later. Here it is about to be months, be a whole new year, and I haven't called this lady. Now I talked to everybody else that you know was close to her, but I kept telling me I was gonna make a personal call to her aunt, but I haven't because again things got in the way. It, was, it didn't be, it wasn't priority because there was an extra step that I had to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to put the calling plan on there because I was about to call her at 69 cents, you know, per minute. <laughs> and we on there for like two hours. That's, you know, that becomes very costly over there. So, but I do like the idea, like you said, put it in your calendar. Put it in your calendar. Just set yourself a reminder because life does happen. Yes, yes. And we, we just can't trust our minds. Our minds fail us <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of, and for us, it's part of our widow fall too. Because if you're doing a ton of things, you don't know, you know, where you know you can have thoughts. I have been in mid thoughts all this month, and the month just started, and I'm like, Sharon, where was I going with that? Or that is what I went to say. So you know, you have a lot of your mind, and that is you know part of the process too, part of the journey as well. So you get you know, you have to you get sidetracked, so you have to write it down. Like, just to give you an example, I kept telling myself before, our, you know, our podcast today, uh, I know Miss Bass was saying she ran out of vanilla. Well, you know, she she, she does her baked goods. She always bakes some cake, um, cookies for ox, and she does the bacon at the home. And I was like, well, I got plenty of vanilla from 
um, Mexico, because when I went on the cruise, for some reason, people was bringing back the white Hennessy and all the, you know, different liquors. Tanya stocked up on pure vanilla. <laughs> I I don't, I can't tell you why. I don't know why I was so obsessed with seeing it like that. And all these different stops we made, but every time mm-hmm. we stopped, I bought a bottle or two. So oh I my goodness. six <laughs> vanillas. Okay. So I was like, I got some vanilla at home. So literally, for me not to forget the vanilla, leaving the house today before we go over to our supper, as my grandma would call it, dinner, supper. I put the vanilla in my purse. <laughs> as soon as I thought of it, because if I didn't, I would have forgot about it. But you Just still, talk. you still might have to give yourself a reminder because I put stuff in my purse before uh, and yeah. still forgot to take it out and do what I was supposed to do with it because I'm visual. That's why I like to have, like when I have ideas and stuff, I'll, I have to write it down and mm-hmm. put it somewhere because if I bury it in a notebook, well, if I never pick that notebook up, you know, to flip back, back through it, but a post-it note on my wall, mm-hmm. on, on my headboard of my dresser or in the mirror, someplace that you go and look every day, I need to visually see stuff, you know, to really, you know, get it into my my head, into my psyche. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but this whole thing, you know, it's just a lesson, you know, and, and just going back, you know, to our family members, you know, mm-hmm. we have family by choice and then we have family by blood but all of these people you know they're all human just like we are none of us are perfect you know and um i think we it's just a charge to us to always consider unless we find out differently you know because some people will show us you know that their intent is not kind (laughs) yes but until you get that you know that for sure uh, example or uh, that for sure, you know, incident and to let you know, okay, that person me well. But right. we have to kind of take inaction sometimes, not so personally, and not yes. to think that you know that they don't care. They're not. They're not thinking about us. You know, we're we're just so complex, and this life is so uh, self focused. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's worried about. They're trying to get their hot side hustles on. They're worried about their relationships. They're worried about their kids. They're worried mm-hmm. about their weight. We have so many things that's taking up space, you know, in our heads. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we really do mean to do the right things, you know, or the things that we're emotionally capable of, you know, because really, like we've been saying, until you experience something, sometimes you just don't know what to do. And a lot yeah. of times when we don't know what to do, then we just don't do anything. And sometimes Absolutely. that's hurtful to the person that is expecting something from you, you know, Absolutely. but it's really not fair when you're expecting something from somebody and you don't really know their capabilities. We just, you know, expectations come from sometimes what we would do. Well, yeah. I would do this for someone if this happened to them, you know, but we have to remember, you know, these individual people are not us they don't have our thoughts they don't have our backgrounds how we were raised or whatever you know so we have to not take it personally and like oh they they're just not thinking about me you know they don't care about me absolutely it's like you give them grace Mm -hmm. but you set the boundary set the boundary 
Yeah, for sure. Grace, for sure. Grace, grace with boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you get a grace, but yeah, I give you grace, but with boundaries, like because you got to protect yourself at the same time. So yeah, grace with boundaries. Wow, well, that's that sounds like a great way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so next time. Until next time. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.